0: Welcome to Visma ski Classics podcast, Levinio to Levin. Visma Ski Classics is the long-distance ski championships with 12 Pro Tour events and 35 Pro teams, bringing professional and recreational skiers together. We will analyze the events on the tour, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Good afternoon all these muskie Classics fans out there in the world and I hope you are enjoying the perks of the summer. The warm weather is really upon us at least here in Scandinavia and many of our, our pro team athletes are training hard at their summer camps or individually on their home turf. So this is perfect time for us to shift our focus from the warmth of the summer to the coldness of the winter as the new season is not that far away. The season 12 calendar was announced a while back and we now have 15 races over 12 weeks. Starting from Ushas, Sweden in December this year and stretching out to early April in 2022 when the season finale ullas Levi takes place in Finland. Since we have a new start for the season, this podcast is now called Usha to Levy instead of the old name Livigno to Levy. I'm your host, Demo Virtanen, and my special guest today is the CEO of Bismaski Classics, David Nielsen, who will give us more information about the upcoming season and the races within. So stay tuned for that, and that'll be next. So, David, uh, I can hear birds singing, so I wonder where you're at right now. Well, hello, Temo. I am actually in the beautiful
1: south of Sweden, in what you call Swedish California, normally called Skåne or Kullahalvön. It's a beautiful place. So we're sitting here, me and the
0: birds. And I assume that it's been really warm there as well. I mean, it's pretty much the heat waves been hitting us all over Scandinavia. Yeah, we had a a great
1: May and June, then last week has been a little bit more bearable temperature, so to speak, but a very nice summer so far. So really enjoying
0: it while planning for the winter. Speaking of the winter, now the new season or the new calendar is out there. We have... 15 races, 15 events, over 12 weekends, and we're going to talk about that. But first, let's go through the calendar pretty quickly, if you go if you go through every single race and the dates. We have
1: 15 events this year, which is a record, so to say, but we're keeping it down to what we've said in the board, maximum 12 weekends, so it's... Uh, the ambition is to have more races when the skiers are out on location we tested last week uh, uh, winter in you know in, in the when we were there so we tested this what we call back to back racing and it turned out really well so we decided to to explore that format a little bit more so yeah as you said 15 events 12 weekends we have actually three new destinations uh, visiting one new country this year and we also have one type of uh, competition format that's new too. So it's a lot of new exciting things for season 12 and yeah to go through it we have first we, we will have a start off uh, as you said in your intro in Ushagranklit, which uh, we'll come back to but it's going to be a similar prologue weekend that we have in here before but we after being a lot of years in the Alps for the prologue, we feel it's not more than right that we, that we now move the prologue to the Scandinavian for, for once. And after, uh, that's 18 to 19th of December, and then after Christmas, we go to first to Missurina in the northern, in the Dolomites part of Italy, very close to Cortina. And it's a new destination for us. We're going to have a back-to-back format there with Saturday-Sunday races. Weekend after, we stay in Italy, but we go to Syterol region, where we have the uh, La Venosta and uh, a new race on Sunday, Regenserenne, we will come back to that. Uh, then uh, we have a famous race from before, Engadin La Diagonela in Switzerland, with uh, some changes of that course. We have thereafter uh, Marcia Longa, the last, always the last Sunday in January, which also is uh, our first Grand Classics event, of course. Then we we'll take a break one weekend. And that also has then finished the Alp, Alp block, we call it. And then we go to the Central Eastern European block, where we go first to Gisarska-Parasatka, our second Grand Classics. And the weekend after, we go to Estonia and to Marathon which is a new but familiar face to the calendar. It's a beautiful race. We'll speak more about that. But 60k in the Baltics with with a great folk fest there. Then we take a break and then it is the Scandinavian part of the season with the uh, Vasaloppet and then Birkebeiner 2 weeks after Vasaloppet, two grand classics event, and Birkebeiner also then wraps up the grand classics and if there is a grand slam. And then we have uh, a massive ending Nordic seas- uh part of the calendar where we start off with uh, Orifjesloppet, the success from last winter, 100k, uh, Reista Lepet, the hilly, hilly course in, in northern Norway. And the final is once again Yleslevi, a familiar face, but with a lot of expectation and where everyone can meet Santa Claus after. So all in all, we feel this is probably the best calendar
0: ever launched. And it's a very tough one, you know, have many weekends back to back and then a bit of a break in in, in the middle. Uh, but when you look at it now, kind of the overall, what do you want to say about this This compared to the uh, the previous years? Besides that it's a very good one. I We always look for balance in the calendar to feel it's not
1: tipping over in, in either direction. It cannot be too, too front heavy or too back heavy. It should, uh, it should have a little bit of dramaturgy through and you know, ever and novelties is important, but uh, what we kind of ex- work a little bit more on is this block thinking that we do this prologue block in uh, before Christmas that we have done an Alp, Eastern Europe and Scandinavian block. So it becomes like uh, three different blocks after Christmas where uh, you can plan, you can go home, you can have a little bit of training, a little bit of rest, a little bit of washing up your clothes maybe on a free weekend and meeting your families and kids if you have etc. So it's to get um, a balance in, in the calendars is really what we're looking for. And uh, yeah, we feel we feel uh, this is um, this is a great one. And also to, to point out is that even if we are hopefully when we come through winter over with the, the worst part of the corona in Europe, we know that there are going to still be effects instead of what we call the post-corona calendar because there will be Some foreseen effects where some destinations don't have the same budget they used to have for marketing, etc., but also some non foreseeable, um, so to say, effects of the corona situation we had the last two winters. So uh, we are looking forward to the winter, but we also are you know mentally prepared that it will be to
0: be flexible, like just like the last two two winters. That goes without saying that uh, the pandemic will leave some. Uh, mark some ramifications uh, but hopefully next year will be will be pretty much back to normal and also it's good to note that we're starting a bit later we tend to and at least in the past start kind of early in even in november early december now it's moved back closer to christmas time the the beginning of the season
1: yeah it's of different reasons for that but we and it's also different reasons why we've been earlier before. There is a holiday period in the beginning of December, which is difficult in in Italy to organize events because there are so all the destinations are full with with uh, kids and families. So, uh, no, we believe uh, we we want to start off before Christmas because it's important for our uh, athletes to to meet themselves, meet each other, you know, in the competition, seeing where they are, and uh, you know, get a little bit of time to fine-tune the shape, the technique and the material, etc. So we want to get going. Um, but um, then of course we want to be quite safe with the snow situation too. So so we have we have some actually some uh, some interesting thing we're working on for the for the earlier part of the season. Even if the pro tour begins 18-19 December, we could have a different format starting off earlier. Like you have the spring classics in uh, in cycling world where you have the a little bit different uh, setup of this one-day event, so we are looking for to start a little bit earlier. But I think for the coming winter, we we have to we stay with that. And uh, also, as we talked about the Corona situation, it's quite uh, positive to start as late as possible because we think the effects will be definitely
0: there also during the fall and late fall. Since we've been talking about this start, so let's uh, get into Åsakr and it a little bit. It's a place that you uh, guys out there in Sweden know uh, quite well, I assume. It's very close to Mura, about 30 kilometers away, as a famous uh, cross-country slash uh, downhill resort. But not that many people outside of Sweden really know about this place.
1: Yeah, it's actually, I would say it's a hidden pearl in Sweden because... Uh, as you said, I don't think it's so familiar from, from the, for the big international scene. Like me, I grew up in Stockholm and for us growing up there, we you know, every weekend as, as a youngster, we went up to Grankli to, to go cross-country skiing because it's kind of the best tracks and safest from snow situation close to Stockholm. Uh, so we know it very well. It's, it's a very beautiful small place in Dalarna close to, to Mora. We just across the Usha Lake, north from from Ura, and up the hill. So uh, it's really. I hope we show show some beautiful pictures on on TV this winter to to get more people understanding how what a, what a beautiful place it is. It, you can see it as the Swedish version of Sjusjön in Norway or or in Austria. It's a, it's a cross, most of all cross country Mecca. Of course, you can do Alpine. But I would say it's mostly famous and suitable for the cross-country lover. And there's a wildlife park there is it? It's actually a bear park. so you can see all kinds of bears. Most of them are I guess sleeping in the winter, so they're probably you know under the snow somewhere. but the polar bears might be awake if they I think they have like bears from all around the world from most continents where you can find bears. So it's a lot to see there. I had tigers before, if I'm not wrong, too. So it's um, maybe we can make the course go a little bit uh, close by, so we can get uh, some um, helicopter shots of the of the bears.
0: But not through the cages, though. That that'll be a little bit too dangerous. But <laughs> oh, of, of course, and it uh, that, that will not happen. But let's talk about the actual race: individual prologue, 35-kilometer classic technique. There, uh, and you mentioned earlier that it's very similar in the same vein and as as the one in Livigno. But the course is different, I assume.
1: Yeah, it is. Of course, the course is uh, different because we're in a different location. But we tried to keep the format quite similar to what we have built up. So one difference is that we're working Saturday and Sunday instead of Friday and Sunday. And the reason for this is that we're now stepping into, in Sweden and Norway, into the Winter Studio. It's a format for the public service TV stations where they want to fill up this, the weekends with sports, so they're going to have a lot of ski classics and uh, also biathlon, so we're trying to uh, adjust to their needs as much as we can, and because of course there's more, more TV audience watching here uh, for, for Saturdays and Sundays, which also is good for the athletes and their sponsors and the pro teams and their partners, etc., So. So we will do Saturday and Sunday, and uh, the Saturday start off is our pro team tempo, as you said, with uh, which we call like a rolling press conference. It's it's about showing what's new for the season, the new pro teams, uh, new names, new sponsors, all this silly season wrap up where you know our skiers have uh, transferred from different teams, etc. So so to sh- try to get a picture of that, starting off the dramaturgy of the winter that's uh, what um, what the saturday event protein tempo is all, all about and uh, it's it's actually not uh, 35k like i say it's about 15k we do there and uh, uh, it's a flat course because we want to be as much positive effect as possible to stay behind your teammates because we are in the protein tempo starting one protein at a time similar to, to the cycling world however we have a, a novelty this year and that's you know a, other than cycling we have of course female and male skiers in the same protein so it's actually not uh, 35k like i said but fi- about 15k and uh, we wanted to be as flat as possible because of course it's uh, you know should be as possible positive effect as it can be to stay behind your teammate and you know helping each other out like in the cycling team tempo as well so but the novelty for this year is that uh, we start on this we start the whole pro team male and female skiers, at the same time on the platform not exactly the same time because we bring up one pro team at a time and that's sort of seeded from the ranking last year and then we split out the best uh, ranked teams a little bit. Uh, so we have some, some coming uh, regularly, so to say, during the, the event. Uh, but then we start the male skiers first in one bunch. And one minute later, we start off the female skiers together of the team. So, And then the male skiers are, of course, not allowed to... to it's a special rule that they are not allowed to stop and help the female skiers in the team. But, but with this, we can actually bring up the whole team on the stage um, so that's a novelty, which means that we also take away then, the, of course, the, the pursuit that the female used to have before. And the competition is calculated by the second male time added then with the second female time to a total time for the pro team. And then
0: you get your 200 points if you're a winner. And then on Sunday, you'll have that individual prologue, which is a 35 kilometer classic technique race of course
1: yeah that's correct so so on sunday we do then the individual mass start race where pretty much like a normal ski classics event but we, uh, we we call it a kermas this is also a cycling term i think it's in italian at least where it's where you know everything is happening a lot of sprints climbs and you know a lot of action i would say so it's a loop format where we have both sprints and two sprints and two climbs and you know, a little bit uh, all-in event just to start off because we want after the first weekend of the season that we have started off all our color bibs and you know get a little bit pre-taste of what's to come. So you get a little bit less points in the climbing sprint competition than normal, but um, uh, we're starting it off. Winning the race gives you normal protein points or jello points, however.
0: So that's the beginning in Usha currently in Sweden, that says before Christmas 18th and 19th of December. Then there's a Christmas break, holiday break, uh, and then the tour continues in Italy, Trissime Criterium. That is the 48-kilometer Classic Technique race on January 8th, and that's Saturday. That's yeah, so a familiar place, but a new race. Yeah, exactly.
1: So we're actually going to Serena for the first time, I think... Many many of the proteins has been there, knowing or not knowing it, because it's more or less in the middle of the Tobla Cortina track. And then you have to turn left and go up the mountain for about 5-6 k. But it's very close to the Tobla Cortina for all tracks, so to say. So it's in the area of the Dolomites. And as you said, the Trecime, which means the three chimneys, or Dreitzinnen, it's in German. You know, this is the two-language region of, of Italy. Uh, the Tragimè is, is in this commune, and in Misurina, so we're even closer than we've been before when we have been showing them on TV. But now we're actually on this mountain. So Misurina is really a hideaway, hidden pearl too, but in the Dolomites. Where it's in summertime, it's this beautiful mountain lake and uh, three, four hotels surrounding this lake. Um, and a uh, lot of tourists and then winter time it of course gets covered with snow and uh, you have the beautiful view from up here and and calmness so we really, really look forward to coming to Miss Arena and, and working there and the race on Saturday is as you, as you said a, a mass start so we will start down in first year we will start in San Marco it's a little bit on the way north or east we can say towards Aronso which is the capital of, of the commune and the uh, San Marco is also the place where um, the Forestale military police has their head office. So um, you know you've probably seen uh, seen this military with these beautiful green hats and a feather in the hat. So these guys are having the head office here. So we are uh, actually starting off there on the Saturday with this. Uh, 40k, I think it is more or less. Event we're up to San Marco and then we do a couple of loops and
0: finish on the lake on Misurina. So beautiful scenery. So it's a completely new course, it's not utilizing any of the top lock Cortina track.
1: Yeah, it's completely new, it's on the other side of the Mountain. So it's not connecting because it's a little bit too steep the, the area you know between the two, two uh, courses, so you cannot go between there. It's a serpentine car road up. Uh,
0: but uh, nearby. And then the next day, that was the Saturday's race. Uh, then next day on Sunday, January 9th, uh, there's an individual tempo, 15 kilometer race. That's that's a new thing.
1: This is a new thing. And uh, this is a format we, of course, been looking for many years. The individual tempo, it's, uh, it's quite natural that we're coming to that, working with the protein tempo for a long time. And um, we think... The idea behind the individual tempo is to have a little bit shorter distance, a little bit, you know, hopefully it's also showing a little bit different physio- physiological uh, talent that we might see a new type of winners on the male and female side, that it actually gives some of our athletes uh, that has a special talent for this, the opportunity to be on the podium. So we hopefully, like you, you know, from cycling, Giro d'Italia, Mr. Ganna from from Italy always wins the individual, but you're rarely seen on top on any other stages. So I think that this can be the case here too. Uh, And then there's, of course, this year, this uh, individual tempo is a mountain tempo, meaning you you go uphill and the finish is uphill. It's a a unique course. You can tell more about that. But but then it could be also a a flat tempo. So that's something we will elaborate with over time. What's the right course was the right setting for for an individual tempo, so it's matching our
0: concept the best way. It is actually really interesting to see, because they will do the longer distance on Saturday than the shorter one on Sunday. But what about the points? That's probably something that at least the pro team athletes are eager to, to learn about. Do you get full points from this individual tempo, or how does it work point-wise? It's
1: full uh, yellow points, and um, so it, it's a normal points uh, event, we can say. I told you a little bit about the course. You, you, we will start on the Miserino Lake and then hopefully we have good weather. But of course, in January, it's uh, more definitely not uh, forgiven or given that we will have a, a great weather. But if normal or good weather, we will actually then we have to finish on top of Tretime that you spoke about before on the Refugio de Aronso. It's a mountain hub hut just uh, on the, always on the, not on the summit of the top, but it's, um, you know, just below the last peak. So it's, it's an extraordinary course uh, in case of bad weather, which uh, of course for safety reasons, then we will use a plan B, which means you make a turn before going on up the last uphill from Margarin to, then you turn right and go back to the Missirina Lake and finish on the lake, the same finish as we have on Saturday. So yeah,
0: it's a beautiful course. And, um, Misurina is a magical place. So basically, you're saying it's it's a constant climb, almost 15 kilometers of climb. Exactly, more or less. <laughs> that's gonna be tough. That's and gonna steeper be steeper re- and steeper. Uh, I'm really eager to see that. Uh, but good. So that's uh, uh, the, the Triecine Criterium and Misurina Individual Tempo. Those two races together uh, in early January. The following weekend will stay in Italy. La Venosta comes back. This is the race that was introduced uh, a year ago, or over a year ago, uh, and uh, now two different races there over the weekend.
1: Yeah, that's right. So Venosta, uh, unfortunately, we had to to first postpone and then cancel it last winter. But they are back, and uh, we begin with the Saturday on the normal. Normal Lavenosta course, which is up on um, from Milago, the small city and uh, old village, and then uh, making some loops up there. It's a really tough, high-altitude uh, mountain course, hilly course, uh, where you remember Astrid Ötis-Lind, the magnificent performance last time we were there. I think she was top 50 in the maid class too. So yes, it, it was it was great. Uh, yeah. So so it's a uh, it's a tough one on Saturday, and then on Sunday. We uh, do go down to the lake. We, this lake with a church tower inside it, which is famous for the for the region, also in the logo type of Labinosta, and do the Rennen. This is a new event, but they have it actually in the summertime. Then it's called the Lauf, uh, which is a running race, half marathon race around the lake. So actually, this. In the winter time, we do two two laps, and it's also open for recreation skiers. And they're gonna build it over time to become a big race. It's really a, a great area and in the, the Switzerland to to be skiing on, just on the border to to Austria too. So and Switzerland as well. So it's kind of in the in the triangular between Italy, Switzerland, and Austria. So great place, and um, I think there will be a lot of over time a lot of recreation skiers in this Sunday race.
0: So this Rechen is this going to be completely on top of the lake, on, on ice, or is it utilizing the, the shore a little bit, so there are some climbs, or is it yeah, completely it, flat? No,
1: it's not completely flat. It's uh, going up on the on the mountain sides, as you say. It's uh, There are a lot of biking roads and gravel roads in the summertime, so they use this. So it's, it's the, quite little on the actual lake, but uh, it's uh, around the lake, you can say. So good. You cannot it's the same way you, you run in summers. So you cannot run on the lake in the summers. So they actually ski where they run, so to
0: say. Okay, that's good to know. And then from there, we leave Italy behind. And then on January 22nd, as you mentioned earlier, in La Diagonella. That's been uh, within the the tour, or the, within the, the circuit for a while now. And um, definitely one of the most beautiful places in the world you know, for cross-country skiing. But the race is a little bit shorter now. It's 55k.
1: Yeah, they worked a little bit. Of course, uh, I mean, as you said, the Engadin Valleys, if you were reborn, I guess most of us would put on the paper to choose where to be reborn. I think we would, many would put Engadin Valley and, you know, growing up there would be a, a dream, uh, which will not happen. But uh, anyway, that uh, yes, they're shortened down. We had, of course, the incident with this cold weather surprisingly cold weather this last winter. So the LOC has worked very hard to to find different solution. So they moved the start area to keep it away from this cold river that we talked about last winter, that it's going there with this moisture, really, really freezing air. So they're starting up in Pontresina, where there's earlier earlier sun in the morning and also much higher temperatures. It's a little bit higher up. So local local weather, uh, so to say, situation where it's a different climate up there. So actually, when we had the cold, the really cold weather at the start, it was only minus 12 at Pontresina last winter. So we've checked the weather maps and see where where it's a suitable start area together with the LOC. And so, yeah, so we start in Pontresina, which we normally pass. And then we make a loop down to the sprint at the Samedan golf course. And then we turn on the normal course left so to say back to San Moritz and passing Pontesina one more time before traveling north all the way to Sots and the finish in the picturesque city square.
0: So those uh, climbs are still there, the, the big climbs before and after San Moritz. Exactly, those are still on the course. Good, so that's uh, Engadin La Diagonela and as I said really a beautiful, beautiful place. I mean I think there's like sunshine I don't remember how many days of always. the year, but always, yes. It's, and
1: it's, uh, it's, it's shortened, I say it's about 55K. It used to be 65. And I think this is also on high altitude, it's about almost 2000 meters at the top. So 55K is, is quite enough.
0: And it's, it is a, you know, a great place to, for vacation as well because they have like 200 kilometers of groomed tracks and there are a couple of glaciers you can go up and it's certainly something that I, I would recommend uh, for people. It's a good place to go and stay there and then go to the next one, which is Marchalonga, back to Italy. And of course, there's so much, so much has been said about Marchalonga. Everybody, at least in the skiing world, knows what Marchalonga is about, 70 kilometer classic race. Often, almost always on uh, man-made snow, uh, but what do you want to say about Marcelonga next uh, season?
1: First of all, congratulations to Marcelonga at the LOC with David Stoffi as the CEO and Angelo Corradini for receiving the highest order you can get in the Trentino region. They received this very special uh, order uh, with a uh, you know in a ceremony a couple of weekends ago, so uh, showing that they have done great for promoting the the Trentino region uh, worldwide. So my, our congratulations, Demo, to to them for that. Marzalonga is, um, uh, as you said, what should we say this year? It, it's a, it's one of the, if not the most prestigious, so uh, definitely one of them. It's the first Grand Classics event. So the skiers are always... Getting a little bit uh, more ready, uh, maybe than to some other races, that they feel this is a little bit more important in the, in the, to win. It's a little bit bigger, uh, I would say. Then, um, uh, I mean, the Cascata in the end, that's of course still there. We're doing a small changes on on the setup where we ha- we'll have um, uh, the sprints and climbs positions, but that's details. Uh, otherwise, it's it is and should be the, the normal course, so to say. The Grand Classics should be, you know, a standardized setting year to year, so we can compare it over 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 the years. So my is the same old queen. And when you
0: talk about the Grand Classics, for those people out there who are not familiar with the concept, it's a four most prestigious races put together. Machalonga, Giselska 50, or Iseska, Iseska uh, Vasa Lopet and And if you win that, you get more points. And also if you win the whole four, which no one's ever done, by the way, uh, you get a bit of an extra there, correct?
1: Yeah, then you make a, a complete grand, grand Slam. And uh, yeah. But uh, there's also a change that we can actually take it while we're speaking about it, Timo, that we're also doing a change to the rules this winter for, for the Ski Classics Tour. And that's that we have decided to take away the Visma Alp and Visma Nordic trophies and instead introducing the Visma Grand Classics trophy. So we are mounting it up that even if you don't win the Grand Slam, we will hand out prize money to the top, top skiers, male and female, in, a, in the,
0: the result list of the four events every year. Good that you pointed that out, and we will talk about the changes in the rules uh, at the end of this uh, program or the episode. But then, moving on from Machalonga, another Grand Classics uh, event, Jiserska Perezatka or Jiserska 50. Perezatka means 50 in the local language in Czech. Uh, again, a race that everybody knows it has grown, it has become one of the biggest races in the world, and it has a kind of a unique atmosphere being in the middle of this Czech. In these era mountains
1: yeah we had first we had a free weekend after marsalonga so the alp block was then over and then people can if they want go home and uh, do some cooking or training or whatever washing and then we go to Jesarska for the second grand classics event and uh, yeah we, we talk very warmly about every year because it's an event that has been improving year by year into this grand classics you know event on the highest level where where uh, the course is varied the terrain is very interesting the finish area start yeah it's really a full packed with people and cowbells and uh, all these things and uh, yeah it is a race where I think more and more recreation skiers from, for example, Scandinavia will will explore because it's a, it's a great day in the in the tracks.
0: Is there anything new for Yzerska this year or the upcoming year, or is it just as it was? We are reintroducing the
1: sprint at the far end, so it's actually going to be. Uh, a sprint at Giserska, which is at the turning point at the 25k. So,
0: otherwise, it's, it's more or less the same. So, after two Crank Classics events, and para, para Satka, the t- Pro Tour moves to a new location, actually an old location, but new, uh, Tartu uh, in Estonia, Tartu Ski Marathon. 63km Classic uh, race, really a nice course. It's kind of an undulating, rolling terrain. It, returning one. What do you want to say about Tartu? That's. It's been a while since we had Tartu in our
1: calendar. Yeah, we're happy to, to have this old classical race back. It's used to be actually back in the Soviet time when the Soviet Union, the Baltic was part there. Then it was the biggest race in the Soviet Union. So we have a long traditions for for also the Russian speaking world. Uh, so it, it's a interesting part flavor to the tour to have also one in the baltics in the in the eastern europe part of the tour which we've been searching for so it is a, a i think was björn daly who said that it's one of the greatest cross-country courses in the world that it's 60 plus minus 60k and the roller coasting up and down over the small hills from ottepe to elva um, it's a different experience. It's definitely something that the skiers will look forward to. And speaking to them um, a little bit there on the way to launching the calendar, I think Tarto Marathon is something they they look forward with excitement because they know they know uh, they know the history of the race and they know, you know it's a little bit special. to finish you finish actually inside some forest. I mean, you really. It's not the normal finish straight in the city. It's inside a forest. So it's, it's a little bit unique for the race, which you
0: definitely will remember after seeing it on TV. That is correct. Actually, the race starts in Otepe, which is the World Cup location. And it starts at the stadium, but it uh, finishes in the middle of nowhere, kind of the Elvais, a small, small place. Uh, but it's a very well-organized uh, race. And Tartu is actually a city uh, in Estonia, a famous uh, university city. It's a nice place too, so that's a place for a lot of people to visit. If you know, if it's an unfa- unfamiliar place,
1: definitely. No, it's a beautiful skiing and uh, and quite easy for, uh, especially the Scandinavian and Finnish uh, skiers to get there. It's just take the boat over. Uh, from uh, Helsinki to Tallinn and then you have an hour drive or so
0: so uh, yeah I think uh, we'll be very interested to see them back that is Tartu ski marathon coming back that's on Sunday February 20th then there's uh, a weekend off uh, for for our pro team athletes not for me though because that might be the weekend when I'm trying to break the 24 hour you know (laughs) the world record in 24 hour skiing uh, but that's the la- and then the week- weekend off and then Vassalopet on Sunday March sixth. It's always the first Sunday of March. Vassalopet. What can we say about that? So much has been said, but once again,
1: yeah, it's a it's definitely one of the Grand Classics event where, where that's the skiers really want to win. You know, if they, it's one of the most prestigious events in the tour and uh, having the unique start feel, I think that's the the, the biggest X factor with Vasalopit is to stand on the start line with 16,000 people and you can feel the cooking energy there. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great event. Last winter, of course, they only had the elite starting, which was very sad for for the rent because, of course, we all want to see the recreational skis on the same start line. Uh, and they tested them for the first time to have the female skis starting first. I know there is a discussion internally and they will, after the summer, make a decision if they will... Uh, so to say, keep with the female starting first, or if they will go back to the traditional format from 1922, that all starts at the
0: eight o'clock in the morning. So, so that decision is not made yet. And of course, this is something that has been asked uh, so many times, and and we know that for you guys in in your country, Lopez it's, it's a holy thing, it's a sacred thing, pretty much. Uh, but wh- why is it? I mean, why why do you guys? Why has it become so big? Is it because the television, or because the history, or? Yeah, well, f-
1: first of all, of course, it's uh It's when he, Sweden became independent in that time. We have a lot of wars in the old days, in uh, 1523, when, when Gustav Vasa became king. Before that, he was chased by the Danish uh, occupant uh, from, um, and he tried to get away. So it's very connected, uh, and he skied from the opposite way from Uppsala to Salen in, in the. In the folklore, so to say, uh, to keep away from the Danish troops trying to kill him, and then he, after that came back to Stockholm and became king. So, of course, that uh, you know to have that kind of story to build a race on, it's uh, that's unique and uh, makes makes a good start when you set up a new event. And then over the years, it's been one of the first like really huge sport events on TV that's been every year coming back becoming a tradition and and such a cornerstone in the in the TV every year so you are actually you know looking forward to seeing them to become to win the Vasaloppet in Sweden you I know that Thomas Vasper won everything except Vasaloppet said it is one thing he really missed he didn't win is Vasaloppet because you can win world cups you can win olympics you can win world championship but if you win Vasaloppet you're forever in the history book because kind of only one per year, and uh, those people you can always see in front of you as as kings on a wall or queens on a wall, so to say. Every Everyone gets almost a sculpture in the mindset of, of the Swedish people, so it, it's really huge
0: to become a winner of, of that race. And actually there are many uh, multiple winners that have won the race several times. Uh, Oskar Sverd, uh, Jörgen Brink, so forth. And speaking of Oskar Sverd, he will be next. You know, our next podcast is actually with him. But that's Va- Vasa Lopet. So moving on to another, pretty much almost as prestigious as Vassalopet is Birkebeiner or Birken, Birkebeiner in, in Norway. There's a weekend in between, again, a break. And then uh, Sunday, March 6th, Vasalopet. And then week, weekend off. And then Saturday, March 19th. Uh, is Birkebeiner Rennet finally? I mean, it's been two years since uh Rennet took place. It's good to have them back.
1: Oh, ah, it's great, and as you said, it's I would say that all four Grand Classics event. it's a reason why you get 300 points instead of 200 win- when you win because they are a little bit extra flavor to win. And The Beacon is completely different course from Wasaloppet, making it a, uh, you know. A, totally different challenge to win that race where you have two mountains you have a shorter course but hillier and uh, it's very different so uh, and uh, in a good weather day which is normally this time of the year to travel from Rena to Lillehammer over this uh, uh, Röfjället the, the red mountain and then to the midfjället uh, on the way to Lillehammer it, it's uh, what a day so uh, so I think uh, when you speak to international skiers and so recreation they always want to come back to to Birken to have that fantastic mountain feeling because that's really what you get in that race.
0: Is there anything special anything new taking place because it's been 2 years since Birkenneren has been able has been organized?
1: uh no, no big changes i would say it's some small adjustment but uh, in general it's still the old Birki.
0: and that is a 54 kilometer race and there's a long long uphill there i think it's about 13 kilometers constant climbing then bit of a downhill and then climb again
1: uh, and they have uh they have if you register registered to birkin as a recreation skier you actually have you get this great possibility to get tra- training advices from marit björgen and uh, Martin Jons, Jonsrud Sundby, they have a cooperation with them for training also for recreation skiers. So that's a really cool project they are working with at the moment. So sign up and uh, get
0: well-trained by Martin Martin. Indeed. And also Birkebeiner Rennet starts kind of the last block. You mentioned it, said the kind of the Scandinavian block. Of course, Baselop is the first one, but there's a, there's a weekend off. But after Birkebeiner Rennet, is four races back-to-back. So it's ah, a great... Very tough. tough, tough and
1: uh, honourable finish and the winner really needs to deserve the yellow bib. So yeah, then we came to Åre uh, the weekend after Birken and uh, of course we introduced it late for the previous season. It was uh, a little bit of replacement when we had to do the first plan B and then plan C. Uh, but introduce the 100k race over 2,508 meters, which is actually a combination of Birkin and Vassalop but put together and make it a little bit longer. It's um, it's a unique, I would say, challenge also for the pro team athletes. That when I saw Oscar Kedine, who, who was uh, you know doing a fantastic job last week, he didn't win, but he was on the way to well, until the snow stopped him, so to say, because of special snow conditions. When uh, when he finished, he looked completely exhausted and you know to see also the pro team athletes getting that tired that that's a good feeling to see that they i guess they get a the good feeling that they actually did you know they had to work hard this this day to, to only to finish the race so and it's a varied race where we start in volodal and finish in all So is actually probably the worst longest loop race over the 100k so it's one loop where you start off in the Passing after a while the Otsjö Lake, which is quite exciting part to go skiing on. You never know if it's ice or snow. And then up up the mountains. And uh, it's a really steep uphill from Otsjö Lake the first time you go up there uh, until Ytterstvallen. It's actually Max Novak, one of the skiers in Team Romud. And he had clocked on his GPS. And according to his GPS, it was 40% incline on the worst part. And that you can see if you watch watching to the France or year d'italia and they have like 18 percent this you know it's quite heavy to bike but um, here was about 40 according to to that uh, so it's really steep you you actually you see the protemat is literally walking up there so if you if you lean backwards you actually fall it's a lot of herring boning for them on that slow course. herring boning I don't know <laughs> if there's a technique name when you kind of really walking
0: herring boning <laughs> exactly. Uh, and it is uh, very much appreciated and, and liked by our pro team athletes. Didn't they uh, vote that as, as their favorite race? Yeah, it became uh, the
1: best event of the season. So every every after each season, we have this uh, voting with the, with the pro team athletes and staff. They can uh, vote and uh, all the events of the season is in, in the ballot, so to say. And then um, that became number one. So that's of course, meant a lot. For the event, and uh, this year they're opening up also for recreation skiers in different ways. They were not allowed to in Sweden last winter, but it's also possible to do to do the long race, the 100k. You need to have a certain criteria to to be able to register. But then there's also shorter versions of the race that you can do for that all people. There's one i so would say distance for 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 all people and to be able to get a diploma.
0: So that's but as you said, 100k, really a tough course. And a week after Birkebeiner. rennen But the fun continues. Reisterlöpe is coming back again. A race that had, had to have a two-year hiatus due to the pandemic. Uh, that's back too, Reisterlöpe. it's not that long, but it's certainly pro- probably the most uh, difficult, the toughest, most challenging course. Yeah, after Orifelsloppet, I would say, one of them, at least,
1: and it, it, it's a really steep uphill. It's the st- steepest, longest uphill, if you say like that, uh, that we have, I would say, in the tour. That uh, maybe the, of course, the Birkebein first uphill is longer, but but this one is steeper and uh, and really tough. First, you have this. Um, I mean, first of all, being north of the Arctic Circle, being in in the area of uh, you know Lofoten, Troms, Norway, and with uh, <clears throat> this Bardefoss and Settermo and where the race goes through, just being there is unique. If you're not from Scandinavia, this is, you know, probably a dream come true. Be able to go up there and, you know, seeing the this splendid nature, taking a trip out to the, to the sea and watching some whales, you know, waiting for the race maybe.
0: And there's always so
1: much snow there too. Yeah. Uh, mostly most years uh, actually this winter they had very late coming snow but uh, when it was white all over the rest of Europe the they had green this winter up there but then it came but they, it is very safe from weather and uh, the course itself is 10k flat first and then it just points to the sky and then you come up to the to the mountains and you're up on this arctic mountain experience uh, so uh, not so long race about 50k but uh, you're exhausted when you finish
0: and that is the only race that hasn't been won by double polling. It's uh, all the winners have used kick-wax, Daikon striding, at least so far. But Petri is somewhat quite close, so so I think, yeah, so far you're right. So that's Reisterlöpe, and then we have one more left, and that's in my home country, Finland, Ullaslevi, and this is a race that hasn't been uh, organized in two years either, so... Good to have that back and the gala and everything in Finland, and that is April 9th, 70k classic technique race in northern Finland, Lapland.
1: Yeah, so Iluslevi it's, it's been a perfect way to end every season. We, we the skiers like the race. We're up and close to the in the Arctic or north of the Arctic Circle, but also close to Race Rastalurpet. So, in from logistics point of view, you can just travel on so to say and uh, it is a varied course they have it's a course that has everything it has uphills they have mountain feeling It has forests, it has marshlands and it's finished in the city center of levy with with a uh, lot of spectators and of course santa claus
0: and this year there will
1: be Ghana. i don't know Te- temo why do what's the story behind these shoes that you get when you win do you know it that the winner gets shoes around the neck from the Santa Claus. Do you know? the Finnish uh,
0: tradition? Yeah, well, it's sort of. It's a lap I think a Lapish tradition. You know, up there that they you know grant you those. You know, if you win or do something well. So it's pretty much something that they do up in that region. Uh, it's not everywhere in Finland, but uh, but you know Santa Claus. You know, he's, uh, he has his own <laughs> own ways.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. it's, a, it's a magnificent race and, and when you finish there you really
0: feel you know, this sigh that the season is finally over. And there will be a good gala, which is something we've been missing for a while as well, for two years. Yeah, we've been booking bands and canceling bands and booking bands
1: and canceling bands. So uh, yeah, let's see what we
0: have cooking for that evening. So that is the full season, the 15 races or 15 events over 12 uh, weekends. But then we have some changes uh, in our rules. Let's go through those as well. You mentioned Grand Classic Trophy. So there's it's no more ALP or, uh, you know, the um, Nordic, Nordic uh, Trophies anymore. So we have a Grand Classics Trophy, which is those four races, the four Grand Classics uh, put together and uh, if you win that you get awarded and you get some extra points then uh ski classics ranking some changes there as well
1: yeah i mean we do every year we uh, we have this special document we call this the 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 colored book it's a it's a name of the color too but uh it's a it's a blue book we can say of um updates so if uh, in swedish so it's um, when we hear something either from ourselves from the staff from a protein director or protein that yeah oh, why don't you do like that or shouldn't we do this way can we try that we always note it down and uh, because we we want to have a, every year we want to constantly develop to make it small changes better but we want also to be so to say wait until the next season to change it. so we everyone should know this season this is the way we do it. And then we wait, even if it's a good idea, we wait until after the season to evaluate it. So in May every year, me, Anton Carlson from, from the sports side and Caroline, the project leader for, for uh, Ski Classics, we uh, sit down and go through all these um, uh, points that uh, we got in the, in the book. And uh, it's over a hundred every year that we go through, and normally it's a we, we sort them into three piles: good idea that we want to change immediately, good idea that we want to change but maybe not already now, and a bad idea. Uh, so which we believe is a bad idea. Uh, so we sort it like that, and then we uh, those we're gonna implement. We try to find way to implement already to. To this uh, next coming season. So in general, I would say it's about fifty updates from from high to low because it can be everything from, you know, where the coffee machine should be in the trailer to to the rules of uh, of a protein competition. So it's really high and low in those changes. But it's a lot of rule changes we do every year. So yeah, we mentioned as you say first the, the change of the trophies, the ranking. We have um, changed. Uh, it's the last twenty four months where you can collect uh, points. And you used to be able to calculate your 15 best events. But this year we are, uh, or this year, but we are changing to best 12 events the last 24 years. And one reason is, of course, that it's been two seasons of Corona, so there's not been so many events. But we've also been looking over time what will be the sh- happening if we do that change. And it looks like it's going to work, even if we have the normal seasons to come. Um, so we are, the best 12 events the last 24 months will be calculated and that will be updated already now. And then we also have in the, uh, a change that for the female athletes, if they become pregnant, that they can freeze the ranking uh, up to one year. So if uh, they can request to have a freeze of the points, so it's also fair. So that's uh, the change of the ranking. And uh, should I go through some more points? Or? Uh, yeah, please do. Yes, we have uh, uh, more proteins. to get an automatic license for the next season. In general, we have well, normally we have thirty-five pro team licenses to hand out. That's the maximum, and that's always handed out the last years. And then we come to point we have to say no to some teams because we cannot hand out more than thirty-five basically. Uh, it used to be that the 15 best in the ranking automatically had a license for next year, but now we're changing that to the 20 best proteins. So they don't need to apply for a new license, but they automatically are granted license for the next season to come. Then we have changed the, for uh, the proteins when they register that they, uh, first of all, of course, they must have that's an old rule that they must register minimum two persons of each gender, so two two male and two female athletes. Uh, But now we are sharpening that a little bit that they also must register these four people to minimum five events, or they must have two plus two at minimum five events registered. We are, uh, yeah, there's a lot of also things. One big thing we are changing is what we call service zones that we tried last winter in uh, Orifjalsloppet, where we actually take away this drink stations and that people in addition to giving drinks all around the track because it's becoming more athletes, more pro teams, more messy around the tracks and also more garbage. Yeah. Uh, so we tried to, to um, say sum it up. So we had six service zones, which is a little bit big. It's about 500 meters area where, where it's marked with a stop and a start. And in there you can give uh, food, you can throw away garbage and uh, and these things, I mean, give gels and uh, changing drink belts, etc. But outside of these zones, you are only allowed to change uh, broken equipment, so to say, if you have a broken pole or so. But you're not allowed to change a drink belt outside and you're not allowed to throw uh, trash outside the service zones. Uh, For this coming winter, it's recommended for the events to use them, but each event um, can choose if they want to, to use service zones or not. The service zone is going to take a little bit, some time, some years to implement because it's a lot of uh, logistics at each event. So, but we are we are um, definitely introducing it to some events this winter, and we felt uh, it's it's a good um, it's a good uh, development uh, for giving service and making it calmer around the protein methods, around the tracks.
0: So let me recap it a little bit, because that is very important. So if if an event chooses to use this, you said it's recommended uh, now, but if they choose to do this, it means that a pro team uh, or the service people can only service their teams within these zones, correct? Uh,
1: Exactly, except from broken equipment.
0: Yes, exactly. So no more feeding anywhere they want.
1: And no more throwing trash anywhere. Around the, the court normally it works quite good already today but, but we believe this is a, a step up another rule change we're doing is uh, of course after the the cold winter in uh, in one of the races we uh, we saw a lack of the rules from from FIS uh, so we have uh, from our races first of all we are working with FIS to to uh, make the rules better for cold situations so we have anton in and Tommy Höglund from our board and Anton, our sport manager, is in that group together with FIS to to see if we can um, make it a little bit more uh, updated. The cold weather rule from the ICR, but in addition, we in ski classics will always accept that people use heated sole socks and gloves. They are allowed in all conditions, so it's it's fair for everyone, knowing that they can always use it. Uh, so that's a change. Yeah, I think those are the, the like the major changes for for the coming winter.
0: Now, there's some minor ones too, uh, but uh, as you said, these are the the big ones, the changes that are going to take place come uh, season 12. So now when you kind of look back, uh, and of course, as you mentioned so many times, the last season was really tough. Uh, We were able to pull out a really good season, but it was very different from uh, any other uh, seasons due to the fact that the pandemic was still raging. Uh, But what are you now hoping, uh, expecting for this this coming season, based on now what you went through, all these 15 events?
1: I think it's going to be a thrilling winter to come with the different, with the new formats, the new places. And seeing the battle, one thing I'm really looking forward to, personally, so to say, is to see the battle for a fair battle now, because Nygard got this uh, he, uh, injury in the beginning of the season, but see Emil Persson on the the new yellow bib winner against the old yellow bib winner in the, in Andreas Nygard being back in in great shape, and uh, you know seeing their head-to-head fights this coming winter on the male side will for me will be uh, super exciting. I've seen, I could feel when Andreas Nygard was winning this Tottenrul and this roller ski race in. In Norway, he was kind of, you know, sending a message to Emil Persson that uh, don't take your yellow bib for granted, boy. So uh, so that that I look forward And then on the female side with Morit Björgen stepping in, Hanna Falk, super interesting uh, uh, skier from Sweden in Lager 157 with, uh, you know, used to be a top world-class sprinter. And we know that that if you have that skill, it's great and also can, can, can top that with the endurance skills. You have a... a it's a good start to become a long-distance skier and a ski classics champ in the future. But seeing seeing her will be exciting to see where she will stand. Uh, so and Matt Jun should be that was male, male side again, maybe. But that's of course a very interesting name that that comes into the playbook. And Lina Korskin to defend Britta Juanson will be back in the, uh you know in a normal shape, hopefully, and etc. It's really gonna be Tougher and tougher competitions coming on in the coming years,
0: and also this season presented some surprises. Uh, Emil Parson being so strong, a lot of young skiers broke through. Uh, are you expecting something like that to happen next season as well? Some some really great surprises.
1: They will always come. You, know, you never know when or where, but uh, that's what we have learned from the last. 11 edition of Ski Classics, that it's there will always be surprises from your favorite list. So I don't know yet who it can be, but some will always pop up.
0: And you also mentioned earlier that uh, after every season, you guys evaluate uh, everything. You have this notebook, you write down things to be changed or some good ideas. Any sort of long-term plans that you have? Because it seems that every single year... Ski classics is coming up with new new things not just races but the challengers uh, took place and ranking my pages the kind of the community is growing so you're not just thinking about the pro tour per se but the whole brand the whole concept
1: yeah we decided a couple of years ago with our new vision and strategy at the vismas classic board that we're gonna uh, you know, take a big responsibility for the whole sport of long-distance skiing, not only the elite race, which is a quite big change of our vision and strategy. But uh, there's nothing that's going to happen in uh, you know, small changes, but we're going to we do it, as I said, with these small changes over time, then uh, they become major changes. So we are, of course, building continuously our community with the, the challenger, number of challenge events are growing we're trying to connect more with the challenges to the pro tour etc in different ways we have some interesting things in our sleeves that we might throw out already in front of this season how to make more people be able to to be part of a team even if it's not a pro team etc etc so we have we are working we have a quite clear vision where we're going to to build a a community around the sport, long-distance skiing. And step by step, we're going to get there. And uh, when we're getting close, we, we move the, the vision and the goal a little bit further again. So hopefully we
0: never reach it. We're going to order then have a new goal set. And I know that's it's very important for you to have sort of a 24-7, a year-round uh, exposure and, and visibility. That's why we're doing so much content, these podcasts, uh, articles and things like that. But also roller skiing. It's very big in some countries like Norway, even your country, uh, Sweden, uh, not that much, maybe in Finland, maybe in Central Europe. But could that be also something that it's incorporated even more? I know there are certain challenger races uh, that are uh, roller ski races that are part of the, the family, so to speak. But do you foresee that that could be something, maybe a separate tour or something like that in the long, in the long term?
1: Yeah, you are you might be on something here, Temo, because yeah, for sure we are seeing that the more and more recreation skiers also are doing training summertime on roller skis to prepare for the winter. And when they're already training, it's not so big step to make a competition, even if it's uh, as I think everyone knows that's been roller skiing, you feel a little bit more afraid when you do roller skiing so to say than if you land soft on snow. Uh, but if when a good Created races where it's a safe uh, track, etc. I think those can grow a lot because there's uh, also this. I mean, what ski class is all about is experiences that you get uh, mentally experience on new nature's destinations, etc. And seeing them summertime on roller skis is, of course, another dimension than what you get in the in the white winter time, so to say. Seeing them in the green summertime, it's a different exp- uh, experience of the same areas. So. So for sure we are looking how to to have more as you said year-round approach to the calendar for for our athletes to be visible and the sport to be visible and recreation skiers to get motivated because that's very important part for us to get the recreation skiing feeling that the pro teams are the motivational engine for them to to create a higher health status and for the average ages of the of the countries maybe become a little, little bit higher thanks to us
0: that is a good point and the well-being and and kind of the the health issue is a very important and and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that cross-country skiing and endurance sports is really picking up and people are doing doing it more often i know that i need to let you go uh, you're still Sitting or standing there somewhere in the middle of this uh, singing, singing birds. But as a last thing, what are you gonna do uh, this summer? I mean, you need to take a vacation sometimes. You know, it's uh, July. It's uh, normally the vacation month. Any plans for you in terms of uh, taking some time off? Uh, well, a little bit time off. We should
1: get getting some motivation. I'm mostly staying here. I have some a little bit small place where some horses, so I need to, you know, it's hard to travel away nowadays, but uh, uh, I'm gonna do exploring more of this area since I moved down to Southern Sweden not a long time ago. It's so much to see down here from beaches to, you know, actually wine yards down here too. I It's a lot to see. I hope everyone internationally comes summertime to Skåne to visit. It's
0: worth, worth a travel. Well, thank you very much, David. Uh, I think we're will uh, heading towards a great season, season 12, uh, when that comes. Of course, right now we enjoy the perks of the summer. Uh, so once again, thank you very much for joining us. And good luck with everything. Thank you, Temo, and good luck to you too. And you people out there listening, thank you once again for joining us. And as I said earlier, stay tuned for more because next weekend, Oskar Swad will be our guest and he will tell us about his new team and a little bit about adventure sports. So that's next, but stay around and have a good day. This podcast is a W Sports Media production.